What do the Texarkana Moonlight Murderer, Jason Voorhees, the Zodiac Killer, and Bigfoot have in common? Find out this week on Old Timey Crimey. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. Welcome to Old Timey Crimey. I am Christy. I'm Scott. We are your constant hosts, always in your ear, talking about Ew. old crimes. Ew. We're like Jesus. A, we're like a Q-tip. <laughs> you need to clean it even more often. <laughs> it, these candles smell weird. <laughs> they burn funny. Oh. Do you think there's such a thing as an earwax candle? I believe that there is, yeah. Oh my god. I, I know there's it. those stupid little ear candles that people use, but... I think, I, I'm sure at some point in time, in the history of man, someone has been like, you know what? This could be useful. Yeah. It's wax. I've saved up my earwax for 15 years, <laughs> and now I'm going to light my room with it. <laughs> Abigail, bring me the lighter! <laughs> so, how's your week going? It's going. It's going. Um, I still don't like my job, <laughs> but that's Okay. You know, that's okay. I've, I've decided that if that's where I'm at, that's where I, that's where I'll be for the rest of my life. But as long as I'm taking steps to get out of that, I'm fine. Um, I did get a part in a cartoon. Yeah. Was this what we were talking about? Yes. Yay! Yes. Oh, high five. I, thank right. you kindly. I am the narrator of the entire thing. Oh boy. I thought you were going for a different part. No, no. I'm the narrator. You're, of the oh, you're, okay. All right. Yeah. Right. So the whole narrator probably some other parts too they needed someone to that could do a decent christopher walken impersonation you are you have a great christopher you, walken you, you damn right i do it's great it's good it's very good the the trick is high pitch kind of crack you know whenever you get to the higher registers crack your voice just, just a little bit and commas and plenty of them but all in the wrong spot so like my students' papers. Yes. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yes. I do rail a lot about commas when I'm grading, though. Like, that's my biggest pet peeve. I want mustard, ketchup, and hot dog buns. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yay. <laughs> so I am happy about that. That's I am very happy exciting. About that. How about you, bud? How's your week been? Um, It's been pretty good. It's been a little hectic, but we're... we're, we're kind of winding down towards the end of the semester and then after that you know once the light at the end of the tunnel is starting to show itself and you know once we get to that point I you know I can I can focus on my own crap because it's school 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 almost non-stop at this point in time and you know it balances out because earlier in the semester there's not so much homework to grade no papers stuff like that and I don't spend nearly as much but then I'm always looking towards the end and I'm like ah and I also made a decision um because I'll normally, my, my students' big final project, in previous years, I've, I've had them all send me their first draft, and then I give them extensive notes, and it is draining. And I'm an adjunct, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm not making, you know, like, full professor salary here, uh, and... Twice the work <laughs> of a full professor. Well, full professors, the thing is, is that in academia is so weird. There's so much more required of you as a, as a, as a like full professor mm -hmm. or even an assistant professor. Like there's a service is a whole category on your CV where it's like committees that you've served on and, and different things that you've done for the, the school and the community. And so you're, you're actually required to serve on different committees. And, and there's all this extra stuff that goes with it. That's not just teaching classes. You also need to have to be an advisor to students. I, I don't, they don't require that of me, but it's still a decent amount of work. 
and something and frequently I'll give them the feedback and then I'll get their final drafts and they haven't even bothered to incorporate it. And that's frustrating, you know, when you put that time in. So I decided to make it voluntary. It's, you know, they can decide. They're they're grown-ups, you know, they can decide if they if, if they prioritize my feedback and voluntary and I'm not going to sit in my in my office for 4 days straight going over the, these like 10-page reports. They're actually like more like 16 when you have in all the front matter and back matter. But it, it, it breaks me. It really does. My brain is completely broken by the time I'm done with it. So I'm going to have them like I'm not going to be typing stuff up. I'm going to have them meet with me, you know, 20, 30 minutes. I'll give them my feedback. They write it down. <laughs> they do the, mm-hmm. that part. Um, and it, so, yeah, it, it, I think I made a decision for my for my sanity, but I'm not sacrificing my level of teaching and I'm giving them I'm giving them the choice. Right. Not only that, it's I, I found that. People will do what people will do. Mm-hmm. You give them the tools, and they'll either take the tools and run with it, or let them sit and rust. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's something I'm kind of proud of us, uh, you and me, mm-hmm. uh, because how many of our friends have said, "Well, we need to do a podcast. We need to do a podcast." You and Marcus were saying it for I think a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was a thing of getting motivation you mm-hmm. know getting somebody so whenever you went i want to do a podcast with you and when i when i told you the idea you just bolted yeah <laughs> like it was just, yeah. it was there and it was like we we were doing this it was like we are recording this week and boom we're done yeah i mean i had come up with a list of probably i bet there was about 30 i think it was about 40 actually 40 yeah. 40 show topics and i mean i just went down and i i found podcasts that you know did like different murders and i just want everything before 1950 copy mm-hmm. paste <laughs> go into wikipedia this 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 and we're we're actually talking about maybe a future episode doing the oldest of crimey timeies yeah let, don't spoil it yet. no yeah, no no yeah. let them let them guess in in the in the comments for this, if wherever you are picking this up, Stitcher or, or Podbean, iTunes, wherever you're doing this, let me let me ask you guys, what do you think the oldest timey crime is? Oh, yeah, or you can tweet us yeah. at uh, Old Timey Crimey, or um, hop on our Facebook page and, and leave a comment. But we really want to know what you, what your thoughts are and what the very very oldest old timey crimey is. Anti crime. <laughs> <laughs> this one isn't really this old. This is 46, 45 that we're doing. Yeah, 46. Mm-hmm. We had an interesting problem with this one. All the ones that we've researched so far, it's been like, okay, I need to take information from here. I need to take information from here. And I need to take information from here. It's a patchwork. It's a quilt. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And just conglomerate it and hope that we get stuff right. This is so well documented. It was a bukkake of information. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah. Horrible. But true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was yeah, it was it was a, so much information. Um I I normally have 4 to 5 pages. I have 9. Yeah, we both did 9 typewritten pages. Normally my notes are handwritten out. And I did start that with this and I realized I don't have enough time in a week mm-hmm. to do the handwritten notes. So there was a lot of copying and pasting in my notes. Um, and just trying to create this, this thing. And there was, there was so much that it was just, okay, I need to trim this out. I need to trim this out. We'll just do the attacks and, and hopefully at a later time, maybe we can like kind of go on some of these little side trips Mm -hmm. because it is an extremely interesting, extremely well-documented case. There were just so many. Okay. So 
when I teach my, my students to keep attention during like a presentation when they actually have to do public speaking, I tell them, you know, every 30 seconds or so you want a shiny thing. Mm -hmm. It's like little keys that you hold up and you jingle and, you know, you get the audience's attention and it could be just an interesting fact, something that like something, and listen to your gut, something that raised your eyebrows or that surprised you a little bit or amused you when you were, you know, re doing your research. This was full of shiny things. This it was, was a disco ball. Yes, it was a disco ball. Yes. <laughs> it was... A very, a lot. <laughs> very disturbing disco ball. Oh, horribly disturbing. And I don't know what it is about this case, but for some reason, I think I think the Moonlight Murders have disturbed me more mm -hmm. than any other thing we've done. Yeah, so far this is the most disturbed I've been, the most I've, I've squirmed and gotten uncomfortable while reading about yeah. it. Yeah. And... And then having read about it, I guess we should clarify, we're talking about the, the Phantom Killer, the, the Texarkana murders that the, the movie, uh, the town that dreaded sundown is about, uh, 76 horror film. And yeah, there were just so many moments where I was just like, oh, I don't like yeah. this. I um, mean, I, I never really like it, but there is that grim fascination. And this one, the grim fascination was tinged with just... Revulsion. Re revulsion, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This is... I'm going to need caffeine to get through this, so... <laughs> Yeah, that's a Mountain Diet Mountain Dew. You can't hear my beer. <laughs> <laughs> Christy runs a little bit harder than I do. <laughs> but I need, it's my Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, just because I need caffeine to get through this one doesn't mean I need the empty calories. Yeah. So yeah, this, um, it takes it takes place. I'm still like kind of, I watched the movie last night, so my brain is still kind of in fiction land. Yeah. So I'm going to try and pull it. Yank it out. Yank my brain out. Well, let's let's talk about Texarkana first. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think I think the city itself is kind of fascinating. It really is. Yeah. This it's Texas and Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Somebody decided I got an idea. Let's put the city right on the border of Texas and Arkansas. Yeah, they have uh, the only federal building in the country that's located in two states. And that's the U.S. Post Office and Courthouse in there. Yeah, it's, it's you can find pictures of it online. I'm sure we'll post them on our, our social media because it is really interesting that it's like basically like this is a, a, a building that's a federal building in two different states. What the hell is the address? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, well, what's the state that you put the address to? Do you know what the what it is? Is State Line Road the main street that goes through that goes through Texarkana? And I hope I'm saying that right. Texarkana. I might switch it up just to really yeah. piss people off. I don't know. Susan. <laughs> now we're not even trying. We're doing it on purpose. Um, but it's and if you're from Texarkana, tell us. Yeah, correct us if, if need be. Uh, probably in droves. I'm I'm thinking. Um, I'm hoping. That means <laughs> hoping. people are listening. Exactly. <laughs> but it, it's this. It's this really weird. It's almost like it's a twin cities thing. Here's mm -hmm. Texarkana, Texas. Here's Texarkana, Arkansas, but it's kind it's of like Twin it's Cities. You, the... it's a chimera. Yeah, oh, it's a chimera. It's a chimera. It's you. I think we know which one is the dark side, which has the dark eyebrow. <laughs> definitely Texas. Yes. Yes. After all this, yes, definitely that's the dark, dark eyebrow. Arkansas has the light eyebrow. Mm -hmm. If anybody's just tuning in, I have one blonde eyebrow, one brunette eyebrow. I ate my twin. I'm a chimera. Mm -hmm. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's a really fascinating town that they, you know, decided to do this. And um, and then, do you have any other fun town facts? Not really. Not really. I know that there's there's a little town, and we'll get into this a little bit later. There's a little town called, uh, just about 40 miles away from it, called Falk, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I wonder how they pronounce that. 
Oh, it, if you watch the movie, we're going to be talking about it a little bit later. Uh, also directed by the same director who uh, did the town that uh, the dreaded sundown. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are times in that where the southern accent. If you've ever driven from Texas to to uh, Arkansas, well, you pass right through fuck. <laughs> It's like, oh. And see, I have the opposite of that, but also the same thing. When we lived in Virginia for a little while, we lived in, we lived around Suffolk, and close to that is, uh, I will pronounce it in a, you know, mid-Atlantic accent, um, Norfolk. Imagine our delight when we're listening to the news, and they say, and over in no fuck today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, we were, we were just del- delighted little children. <laughs> Christy and I are going to start a shipping company. Called no, no fucking way. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes, that is perfect. That needs to happen. Yes. So in 1946, um, you know the the war had just ended. World War II had just ended a little while ago. Um, things were kind of settling back to normal in the town. You had, you know, the the soldiers coming back from war and and kind of trying to resettle into life. You know, into into jobs and everything after being you know unsettled for years. Um, and then you had this 10-week period of absolute, just mind-numbing terror for the town. Just, I I can't even imagine, I've, I've often thought, like, especially since starting this podcast, what if something like this happened here? I, I have a unique thing where something kind of like that happened mm. twice in, in my history. You're a magnet. <laughs> uh, kind of, sort of. I believe I told, I told you before about the, uh, and I've looked up the name whenever I got home, it was... Hutchinson was the girl's name, the murder that happened. There was four days where we knew that there was a murderer loose someplace in Salisbury. Mm-hmm. So there was that. And then there was another situation where, and I thought about this, we were talking a little bit before the show, and we were talking about people peering in the window. Mm-hmm. Something was peering into the windows, and Ooh. it looked like a man-alligator hybrid ah. around Salisbury and Pocahontas. And one of my uh, one of my my father's acquaintances came up to him, and they were talking about it. And he goes, "What would you do if that thing looked in the window at you, Paul?" My dad, being the World War II vet that he was, said, "I'll blow its fucking head off with a gun. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll fuck windows twenty bucks. I'll fucking blow its head <laughs> off." Wendy, I will blow its motherfucking head off. I love that we're factoring in the cost of windows. Mm-hmm. As my I also dad like that they were 20 bucks back then. Uh, yeah, as my dad would. Um, and it turned out his friend was the monster. He had gotten <gasps> he had gotten this alligator mask and he would walk on stilts. My God. And look into people's windows. And what the, the int- fuck for? The interesting thing is, he never looked in my dad's window. <laughs> <laughs> but that was about three months. Three months wow. uh, that he got away with it. Shit. Yeah. But then finally he got caught. And dad always thought, he always said, my son of a bitch was going to look in my window that night. <laughs> <laughs> See, the closest I have is just there was a, a criminal on the loose. I, I Cannot remember if he was a murderer or not, but it definitely looked like he was willing to at least hurt people. And it was in my hometown where I don't live anymore Mm -hmm. and didn't live at the time. But my father still lived there 
And he lived out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, basically, like, you go on this dirt road to a campground, and then you go past the campground. My dad, dad lived beyond where people go to get away from it all. Mm-hmm. We're just, we're woods people in my family. We're very much, my brother works for the frickin' National Park Service. I mean, he spends his entire life in the wilderness. So, yeah, there was this guy, and I, I was keeping a close watch on the news when this was happening. And he was on the loose. There was a big manhunt. And uh, he was fairly close. The last place they'd sighted him was within like a mile or two of my dad's house. I'm calling up my dad. I'm like, lock your doors, lock your windows, just shades down, everything, just stay inside. Because this guy was a, he was a danger to the public. And it was it was scary. He was he was trying to commit suicide by cop. If I do recall correctly, and it was years ago, so I might not, they did actually apprehend him. Mm. So he wasn't successful at that. But but yeah, so you have like small towns where these things happen. You have rumors running rampant. You have people accusing other people. It's affecting the local economy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In some positive and some negative yeah, ways. Yeah, Hardware so, stores, businesses up. Coffee shops, diners, businesses down. Bars. Bars, yeah. Bars were closing at 9.30 p.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's... And on weekends. Yeah. Because that's when this guy would strike. You know that shit's bad whenever you're going, I don't want to get drunk tonight. Yeah, when, when last call's at 9. <laughs> yeah. Last call. Get the fuck out. I'm going home. <laughs> so... Yeah, it was it was always on a weekend. Uh, usually about it did seem to be spaced about three weeks apart. Of course, late at night, um, you know, serial killer time. There's the witching hour at midnight, and then the serial killer killer hour at one. Apparently, um, so on February twenty second, nineteen forty six, was the first attack. Poor Jimmy Hollis, and his uh, his. Girlfriend, the unfortunately named Mary Jean Larry. Yeah, I kind of just want to call her Mary Jean. Yeah. Because I don't want to call her Larry. Yeah. It. It's L-A-R-E-Y. Mm-hmm. But it's pronounced Larry. Uh, Jimmy was 25 uh, and Mary Jean was 19. They were just going to have some fun. Yeah, just gonna... two kids going out to Lover's Lane. Yeah, not some not so innocent fun, but they're both adults. Mm-hmm. Why not? And... Uh, and they're just kind of sitting there, and they were only there for 10 minutes, and then the unthinkable happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have um, an attacker who approaches the car. And they're thinking it's a cop. Yeah, I mean, because you would have that, you know. It's, it's, it's kind of like, it's, almost, it's, it's pretty much a trope. You have the, the cop, you know, knocking on the windows mm-hmm. of the car at Lover's Lane, and the windows are all steamed up, you know. And so it's become a trope in, you know, like sitcoms and such, movies and the like. And Cops are perverts. <laughs> Either that or they're cock blockers. Yeah. <laughs> cough blockers. Ooh, I think cough we've got blockers. a new podcast. <laughs> interviewing, Absolutely. Interviewing cops who, who cock block teens on lover's lanes. Cop yes. block. Yes. Let's get their story. Yeah. <laughs> How steamy were those windows, officer? <laughs> we're not allowed to talk about that. <laughs> so, yeah, they had just um, they had just seen House of Dracula, which I should say starred John Carradine as Dracula. Lon Chaney Jr. as Wolfman, and Glenn Strange as Frankenstein's monster. And they just are having a nice, you know, nice little after-movie time. And it started, it felt like, you know, first it felt like, oh, this is a cop, and then it was like, this feels like an armed robbery, because he, uh, the attacker, who was um, described as a large man, who had had a white mask, either a burlap sack or um, a pillowcase or something like Mm -hmm. that, and he had eye holes cut out, which is for the, the, the eyes... I've read in most places and the mouth. They didn't do that in the movie, which somehow made it creepier. Yeah. <laughs> because the breathing that they did was, was very... The breathing that the serial killer did was very, very creepy. Yeah, and they, they kind of mimic that later on. 
to give our first little tidbit for our intro, they mimic that look in the second Friday the 13th film, where mm-hmm. they finally introduce Jason. Jason doesn't get his hockey mask until 3, but that look, that look of like the burlap sack over the head, that has to come. That absolutely has to come from this. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I wish I could have found out more, but I mean... I rewatched Friday the 13th Part 2, and it does have a very The Town That Dreaded Sundown feel to it. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was, and, and this guy, here's the thing, uh, Jimmy, he's blinded, because the guy's holding a flashlight. Yeah. He doesn't even see that this guy's, this guy's wearing a pillowcase. Or yeah, he doesn't a get a good set. look at all. Not yeah. at all, not at all. So much so that, that later on, him and uh, him and Mary Jean can't decide even on the ethnicity yeah, yeah. of the person. They can't decide on the race, and and you know that it's it's very disputed between them as to you know whether this was a light skinned black man or a dark skinned white man or you know it's it's very they they did get the height it's a, he's over six foot, um but yeah not a lot of not a lot of details that they were able to corroborate, especially with the mask and everything. Uh, so first, the attacker made Jimmy Hollis take off his pants. Yeah, and... the actual line is "take uh, take off your goddamn britches." Yep, yep. And that is a southern threat if I've ever heard it. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> yeah, take no. off your goddamn. Now, do you think it's do you think it's more frightening to go take off your goddamn britches or take off your goddamn britches? Uh, option B. Option B. Option yeah. B. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm at the eye doctor, but it's a definite answer instead of a I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> option A or option B. I, there's no difference ever, ever. There's not. There's not a good way to say take off your goddamn britches. No, there's really no. I, Nope, nope, no, nope. <laughs> no, there isn't. So, yeah, and then he uh, pistol whipped him. The, the attacker pistol whipped uh, Hollis. Hard. Yeah, it was... Fractured uh, his skull in three places. Mary Jean thought that it was an actual gunshot. That's yeah. how hard yeah. he, he clubbed him. And it, if you're from Texas, you know what a gunshot sounds like. You're not unfamiliar, I imagine. <laughs> right, right. Um, have you ever broken a bone badly enough to hear the snap? No, um, I've never actually broken a bone. The only time I've ever even fractured anything was I, well, I, I broke my pinky toe one time, but that doesn't count. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I fractured my collarbone falling out of the bottom bunk at age two, which really tells you a lot about me. That basically is like, that could, that could be my brand, but I've still never broken a bone. I've done my ankle. I, I've broken about a dozen bones. But my ankle and the the ankle, the tibia, and the fibia all in one go was loud enough that I heard the snap. Ugh. And it's it's louder than a tree branch. Yeah, and cracking. To, to do that on somebody's skull, yeah, is it's just it's absolutely brutal. Yeah, and yeah. one of the podcasts I was listening to, but he was fine. No, <laughs> no, he was not. If your skull is fractured in three spots, yeah. you don't go, I'm okay. He was recovering for months afterwards, yeah. at least physically, and I'm sure like emotionally and psychologically. I doubt I doubt he ever got over this. Especially... I doubt he ever got over it, but he did go on to lead a very a productive life. Yeah. So yeah. um but yeah, it was in the in that moment and in the, the months afterwards it was very, very difficult and a lot of time, you know, rehabilitating. I wonder I most of the time we do hear that they went on to live a very productive life. You know, the victims that do survive. I wonder if that's something akin to... Well, I think it's one of two things. It's like, I've survived, so I better use this time. Yeah. Or is it a lack of fear? Going like, 
I almost died. I guess anything after this is a bonus. It could be either way. It really probably depends on the person yeah. and uh, and how they how they approach life and their psych- psychology and everything, how they deal with, with trauma. So, yeah, it could, uh, you know, and, and some people, when they, you know, they, they, they recede into themselves with trauma, too. You know, you have, you have plenty of people who they, they survive something horrible and they, they kind of pull away from the world because it scares them, which, understandably, it's a scary, scary fucking world, as this story proves, and all the stories we've talked yeah. about. But, but yeah, so uh, after the attacker pistol-whipped Hollis, he then clubbed Mary Jean, she was uncertain what he had clubbed her with because he was holding the flashlight and the gun, and she said it felt or sounded or looked like a metal pipe. But I'm, I'm, I assumed it was the flashlight. If if you take a look at those old flashlights mm-hmm. from that time, we're not talking like your four dollar go to Dollar General. Get a oh no, flashlight. they're they're heavy, they're sturdy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I imagine. Man, I don't know. Even even with a sturdy flashlight, I don't think I'd want to use it as a weapon because then I'm stuck out there in the dark. I mean, that's true. Yeah, and this this guy did seem pretty cunning, so he might have he might have pistol whipped her as well. And yeah, we'll never really know for sure. But um, he clubbed her, and then he pretty much told her to run away, sort of. Yeah, he goes run. Yeah, and she starts running, and he goes not towards the ditch, run that way. <laughs> yeah, and then he starts chasing her. And then he goes, why did you run? And in, and in the answer that I think any of us would have given, because he told me to. Yeah, and then he accuses her of lying. Yes. Like, no, this literally just happened. Yeah. So he should be called the gaslighting killer. <laughs> so um, she was assaulted. And then she was able to get away. She, she fled on foot. Uh, in heels, I believe. Either she had mentioned earlier, uh, like when she first tried to run, that it was difficult to run because she was wearing the heels. And then later, when she actually flees, flee, she ran a half mile to a nearby house. It's not mentioned whether she still had her shoes on or not. Either way, either in heels or barefoot, a half mile on probably you know like maybe some dirt roads or through some woods is not fun. Yeah, that's not that's not good for the feet. But she would probably had so much adrenaline going through her that she might not have even noticed. Yeah, and I feel bad because. A car passes her by. Yeah, yeah. She tries to uh, she tries to flag it down, and they they ignored her. I mean, this was the first time this has happened. Who knows what they thought? I know. Okay, I will say. I said, you know, my my hometown is basically in the woods. It's surrounded by a, a national forest. I said state park in an earlier state forest. Allegheny National Forest. It's a national forest. Yes, I know where I lived and what is around there. Yay. <laughs> and um, my address is no, <laughs> no. So there was. There's a long stretch um, where you're good. Just it's just woods and hunting cabins. And this was back in the days when I was in college, and I basically had my crap little Nokia that my mom was like, you know, the brick ones mm-hmm. that you could play um, the the worm game on. Uh, snake. Snake. Yeah, you could play snake on. Um, and snake's not a worm game. It'd be called worm. Snake worm. I mean, maybe they're similar. you had a knockoff. Did, yeah, that that must have been was it. Was your Nokia spelled with a Y? <laughs> Nokia. <laughs> Nokia. So yeah, and it it didn't have any signal in that, you know, like that long stretch. And I actually did pass somebody, a, a motorist on the side of the road one time, but my mom had always told me, do not pick up hitchhikers. Do not stop for anyone ever. And, you know, like, and I didn't have a signal. So I was like, I couldn't even offer her my cell phone. Like what, mm-hmm. what could I offer this person? I've always felt bad about that. But at the same time, I always think like, I'm not good with cars, you know, and I don't have a phone. It would just be another person here. For, for me, I've always, I've always picked up somebody if I thought they needed help. And yeah. it's been a thing where 
my attitude has been, well, if they pull a gun on me, I'll just hit that telephone pole. Yeah, but there's also those like um, cases where people try to trap you with, uh, you know, you you hear those stories from like out in the the Midwest where you have long stretches of road and you'll have, you know, what looks like a body laying in the road. And then there's people all around well, who are waiting bo- for you to stop. If, if it's a body, I'm just going to run gonna, over yeah, it. Uh, well, sounded like a sack of laundry. I was going to say veer around it, but that's also an option. Um, I need help. But yeah, it's always like, it's always that possibility that's, that's looming in my mind of, you know, lone woman could be bait essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I had no idea. I was just terrified. And I'm sure she was terrified. But, uh, you know, it was nobody, nobody, I, I will say at least, at least to clear my freaking conscience, there was no missing persons or murder reports right. in, in the months following. So I think she probably got help and was taken care of. I wish I could have stopped. Let's be a little sexist here. And I apologize for any of the listeners who may be offended by this, but I'm going to say this. The rules for picking up strangers are different for a man than they are for a woman. Let's be realistic the about it. The thing is, yeah, because women have to more to fear. Yeah. It's that old thing of, uh, you know, men say the biggest thing they fear from women is rejection. And women say the biggest thing they fear from men is getting killed. You know, like we, we just, we were more of a target. And, you know, there are plenty of men who are out there, you know, as we can see, mm-hmm. um, who, who will gladly, you know, just completely without any empathy, brutalize someone. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, then there are, and please forgive me for this, listeners, please forgive me mm-hmm. for this, Christy. There are physiological differences between men and women. I know I'm weaker. <laughs> I, it's, here's I'm the working thing. on it. <laughs> here's the thing. There are outliers. Like, if I try to take Ronda Rousey in a fight, yeah, I'm losing. I'm losing. I think you and I are pretty evenly matched. I am not a strong man. I'm not a very strong woman, but I'm wily. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. wily. <laughs> she, I'd be like, you know, fighting Christy, and then all of a sudden, what's that? Oh, you stuck an ice pick between my ribs. I'm proud of you. <laughs> or I would just grab Hemingway and put him in your arms and distract no. you with cat cuddles oh. and extra thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's not the arms. It blows my mind every time I see it. <laughs> the thumbs. We should probably continue with the horrifying we murder. Sh- uh, this is it's hard to get I through. It's I hard. I don't want to do the horrifying murder. So, it's... but we do have we have moments of of uh, brightness. We have the fact that Mary Jean was able to get to a house and she woke up the, the people who lived there and she called the police. That is bravery. That is, you know, she didn't just, like, run in terror. Not that anybody would blame her if she did. She didn't just run aimlessly, you know, and then find some corner to sob in. Again, not that anyone would blame her. Yeah. But she was determined to get help. She, you know, and, and she did. So, uh, and, you know, they, they, they both survived. Yeah, I would say probably the two toughest people in this are two women. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are those are the survivors here, among, in, in addition to Hollis. Yeah, who... Uh, he actually tried to. He was in his underwear. He, 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 I guess, the killer left, or he escaped him. It's it's unclear, but he was flagging down a car in his underwear, um, and the car was like, kind of understandably, nah. But instead, and this just shows you how old this was, um, you know how how times have changed. The car went to town, um, and the whoever was in the car, uh, they called the Texarkana Funeral Home, which they had an ambulance that worked with the local hospital. So they, they, it's that small town thing that they knew yeah. who to call. There was no 911 in those days. I don't know where the police station was, but they knew that this person needed, you know, actual medical help. So they went for that first. Very smart. 
Um, so yeah, and yeah, he, he had uh, two to three skull fractures and was put on the critical list for his admittance. And they started searching, you know, trying to find who, who did this, who, who, who beat these poor kids. And the first person who gets harassed by the police, and I'm going to use the term harassed, is Larry. It's Mary Jean Larry. Because yeah. they're like, she's there. She's been assaulted in a most horrible way. We're not going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Google's your friend. If you want to go look that up, it's it's really bad. Um, and it bothered me quite yeah. a bit. Yeah, bothered, I was, I was yeah. very um, un, unhappy reading that. Yeah, there was... This, each one of these stories has kind of like bothered us in a particular way, but there was something about this one that, that really bothered me. Mm-hmm. This, this one, this one caused a lot of sleep loss. Um, but the cops sit Mary Jean Larry down and go, okay, tell us who it was. Mm-hmm. We know you know who it was. Yeah. And she goes, No. And how would she know? I don't understand how would she know? Like, did they think, like, I think, I think what they were thinking was one of two things. They were getting their Scott on and going like aliens came down and <laughs> just coming up with theories off the top of their head. So I think maybe they thought that her and Hollis got into a fight. Ah. He clubbed her. She was able to get the weapon back and beat him over the head with it, fractured his skull, and they did it to each other. Or... Maybe that this was a lover that Mary Jean had on the side and attacked them both, mm-hmm. and so they were they were absolutely convinced Mary Jean Larry was covering from some for somebody, which is honestly fucking ridiculous because they went to the cops. Yeah, yeah, and they if if, if they had done it, um, or if they wanted to cover for somebody, then they they wouldn't they they probably wouldn't say anything to the cops. Um, but I, I'm sure the conflicting accounts as, as far as what he looked like didn't really help. But they couldn't help that. I mean, you're, you're, it's dark. You've got a flashlight shining in your eyes. You've got a whole bunch of chaos going on around you. You're not exactly going to sit down and make a freaking police sketch, you yeah, know? Or yeah. even, like, take in those. You're not going to think, hmm, I should really get a look at what this person who is wearing, by the way, a pillowcase or something on their head um, and only uh, all, the only skin you can see is a little bit around his eyes and a little bit around the mouth. I should really, like, you know, denote the exact skin well, tone. Apparently, Hollis thought he was African-American based on a little bit on the skin tone. And let's face it, this is, what, midnight? Yeah, midnight-ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I couldn't tell. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell. I wouldn't be able to tell. But he's basing it off of some of the language he used. And I wasn't able to really find the language. Mm. But I imagine it's something, sit your white ass down or something like that. Maybe, yeah. You know, it's that's what Hollis is basing it off of. But just because you're white doesn't mean you automatically can't say the phrase, sit your white ass down. Mm-hmm. I use it quite often because <laughs> I think it's kind of funny to hear it come out of a white man's mouth. <laughs> and also could be, you know, if the attacker thinks that nobody can identify him because of the mask, could throw people off the scent as to his race. You you have, you know, then then you have cops not looking for a white man at all if it is, in, you know, in fact a white man. So it, it could be, and it seemed like he was fairly, you know, they did describe him as cunning. Yeah. And he did, you know, not to spoil anything, but it's kind of like a lot of our stories where we don't officially know if he ever got caught. Yeah. There's, there's theories and there's theories upon theories, so. And it's... It's a thing where 
I don't know, Christy, 1946 in the South? Somebody trying to blame a black man for something he didn't do? I cannot imagine. God. Not that they would never. Oh, heavens. <laughs> Jesus. So about a month passed, three weeks to a month, and then it happened again. And this time we didn't get any descriptions because the, uh, the victims did not survive. Uh, it was Richard Griffin. Uh, this was March 24th. Richard Griffin, who was 29, his girlfriend, Polly Ann Moore. I love how everybody, all the, all the women have the, the three names. Of course. It's, it's, of course. It's, so it's both 40s and Southern at the same time. Absolutely. Lots yeah. of Anns, mm-hmm. lots of Maries. Yeah. Yeah. So this was, and I, I did some sleuthing around to find exact, or as, as exact as I could, roads and areas. Um, this was about three miles from the first scene. And so they're once again on a lover's lane, you know, having a, having a moment and they were they were close to um, the main road, so a passing driver came by and saw saw the car and you know stopped to see does somebody have car trouble you know like is, is somebody in distress maybe stopped I, to do what I didn't do on that road God damn it now I feel bad <laughs> maybe I get to see a titty yeah <laughs> maybe that yeah but y- he saw something completely different here's the thing Richard Griffin was twenty nine Polly was seventeen. Yes, that is quite the quite the difference. Yeah, we've talked about we've had bigger differences that we've discussed, but like um, I said, anything over eighteen is fair game in my book. Eighteen, <laughs> seventy four, fine. I don't care if he's eighteen and she's seventy four. Mm-hmm. You're both adults. Seventeen, twenty nine. All of a sudden, I know it's only one year, but man, it makes it creepy. Yeah, it does. It does make it a little creepy. Yeah. yeah. Um. And but they. Um, it's creepier. Yeah, and uh, so. They were both shot uh, execution style, which always I hate the words execution style, you know, because you can picture it. It's it's so evocative. You can picture it so immediately. And it's it has that horrible tinge of desperation. You imagine somebody on their knees, hands behind their head, you know, begging is is what always comes to mind for me. And I I just it it, it makes me so sad. It's a thing, too. Whenever, whenever, back of the head, it's a horrible, I think I'd rather be shot in the front of the head because mm-hmm. I get to see it coming. Yeah. I know. When you don't this, know something's coming. Yeah. fucking waiting and fucking waiting and fucking waiting for it to happen. Yeah. That's why I need them to narrate when I'm like, you know, having blood drawn. <laughs> yeah. Because like, I can't look. I cannot possibly look. I get, I, I... listeners. Take a, breath. Take a breath. No, it's okay. I'm okay. I just want to let them know that I'm a co-host of a podcast about murder, and I get faint at the sight of blood. <laughs> I sometimes make weird choices considering who I am, but here we are. So, um, so yeah, I, I have to look away, but I have to have them tell me, because you don't, first of all, you don't want to jump. Scare the hell out of that poor phlebotomist. Woo! Yeah, yeah. I, I was Stuff a, is spurting, it's horrible. I um, was a phlebotomist, too. Oh, yeah, I've that's had, right, yeah. I've had a lot of jumpy people. I'm sure you have, yeah. What you got to do is... It, On three. Doesn't, One... Two. Oh, <laughs> that's so mean. That's Next, so mean. Here, I'm going to teach you a little phlebotomy trick. I'm going to teach everybody here a little, a little phlebotomy trick. Mm-hmm. Next time you have blood drawn, have the phlebotomist press their thumb down hard. I'm having a hard time even thinking about this. It's making me a little faint. I'm going to be yeah, honest. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. Hard. 30 seconds at the injection site. Have them clean it quick and then draw the blood. You won't feel it. 
I'll try that next time if yeah. I can remember, if I haven't blacked this out of my memory. <laughs> Come back to us. Don't go into the light, Christy. Do not go into the light. <laughs> but it's so pretty. No! I think there's unicorns. There are. Stay with us. Here in the bleak... Well, fuck this. I'm going to the light, too. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't want to talk about this anymore. Um... <laughs> So, so yeah, it was it was a pretty brutal scene that this poor motorist found. Um, you had both Pollyanne Moore and Richard Griffin. Uh, it looked like Pollyanne had been shot outside the car, and then they they wrapped her up in a blanket. They being the attacker, and tossed her in the back seat. And uh, I believe that Griffin was still in the, 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 the driver's was, seat. He was kind of like curled up in a fetal position mm. from what I understand. And it seemed that it seemed like they might have been killed outside of the car and posed mm. inside the car. Um, and this is classic escalation. Yeah. This is classic escalation. You have, I don't think he actually... I don't think the murderer actually went out to that first one to actually kill somebody. Yeah, I think he just wanted to see what he could do, honestly. I think he was actually desperate for money. I think he was desperate for money, and then halfway into this whole thing, he's going, man, I'm having some sort of fun. Maybe. And then and then he it goes a couple of weeks, he cannot get it out of his fucking head, mm. the sick little primitive fucking knot at the top of his spine, and he goes... I'm going to go out and have some more fun, just like I did. And once again, it escalates this time. And this time, he goes from just horrible abuse and torture right into murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so poor uh, 29 and 17, um, all, their, all their possibilities got, got taken away from them. And um, they found a 32 caliber... That is how that works, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not big with guns so uh cartridge shell found uh possibly from a colt and they found it inside the blanket that was wrapped up around uh pollyann moore the theory i heard was that the blanket was actually wrapped around the gun to be used as a makeshift silencer oh that's an interesting theory yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that could be possible that it makes sense because it's not like he would be like i'll just leave this little clue as to what weapon i'm using for the police that seems a little um Heavy-handed. Right, right. Not like this guy. This was... I mean, he's heavy-handed with the murder, not with the clues. This was an absolutely horrific crime scene. Mm -hmm. They opened the door, and there was so much blood inside the car that... You ever open your car door after a big rainstorm, and like you see like the, the water run out from the bottom of the car door, like a little hole in that? Yeah. Blood, congealed oh. blood, was dripping out of the car door. Oh, so many physical reactions it, happening at once. I don't know. Let's oh. see here. It and was, emotional ones. Yeah, yeah. I think it was only 20... I, don't, I think it was less than 24 hours. March 24th, it would have been cold. I've uh, I found two I have found two dead bodies in my life. I don't talk about that very often because both of them are traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will tell you about this one, uh, just because it pertains. I uh, whenever I was nineteen, I found a dead body in a car. And this is very similar to what we've just discussed. He had had a heart attack, oh. but it was in the middle of the woods. So he was on like on a back road in the middle of the woods. And whenever I first came across this car, I thought the um, 
I thought the the windows were tinted, mm-hmm. right? So I tapped on the window and the flies <gasps> spread out and I could see the body inside. Oh, shit, no shit, no shit, no shit, no shit, no. Yeah, yeah. And um, of course, I didn't have a cell phone at the time. I'm 19, you know, that's... It's about 25 years ago, so I have to, like, get myself fucking calmed down. I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. And, I mean, it took it took a while. It took a while. Because all I did was I, I literally just went up to the window and went. Oh. And just they scattered and then came back. And, uh, yeah, it took it took a little while. There were some tears. I'm, like, on the verge of it right now. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. yeah. And, um. I wish you didn't have to relive this. No, that's no, no, no. I, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's appropriate because somebody found these poor people. Somebody yeah. went through, somebody went through a very similar situation, and it, somebody, somebody like me had had to nut up, you know, and and get control of themselves for long enough that um, that that they got these people the respect. You know, there's no help at that point. But you get the people the respect that they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least some some sort of dignity. Yeah. 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 Jesus Christ! Thank you for sharing that. No, I'm sorry you no had problem. to go through that. It's That's, it's life. It's it life. Is, it is life. It's and and you know we never we can't really control what happens to us and what we end up seeing and, and experiencing. We can only control our you know to a certain extent yeah. our reaction to it in the aftermath not in the immediate aftermath you know you probably i i, I know I, was, I would go into some sort of shock i was 19 yeah you know i was barely barely an adult at that point i think i at least not at 19 but before 19 like i dealt with stuff that would scare me now mm-hmm. better than like 19 was when my anxiety really started to be like hi <laughs> look over here i'm about to fuck up your life yeah but like before that I feel like I was able to, like, fly on planes with no problem, you know? Like, I, 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 and it could be a certain naivete about the world and not thinking of every single possibility, not being overexposed to news. I don't know what it is, but I was, I just, I just kind of, like, blithely skipped through the world to a certain extent and not even ever cognizant of its, its many dangers and traps and snares and horrors. And then, you know, all of a sudden I was. <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun shift. Yeah. <laughs> so... So yeah, but nineteen, I would have, I would have, I would have lost it. You, you would have, you would have had to medicate me like a lot, like I a lot. Didn't do, I didn't do any medicating. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was just, you know, I just went and I, I don't think I even told my mom for a week. Wow. That it happened. It was just kind of, it was kind of like a thing. And I mean, it was on the radio that somebody had found a dead body. But of course, they wouldn't say, you know, like who. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was a thing where, where I finally, I finally did tell my mom. I said, "Yeah, that was that was me." And she went, "Oh, Scott." (laughs) (laughs) Oh, moms. (laughs) I have so many oh Christy stories from my Mm -hmm. mom too. None quite so horrific. Um, but, but yeah, so, so yeah, some poor person found them and the, the police, they started, uh, investigating. They started a very, a huge manhunt. Um, this is by three days later, um, about 50 to 60 witnesses they'd interviewed. Um, and they, they, you know, kept on getting false leads. There was a reward posted. They got the 500 whole, 500 American, whole American dollars. dollars. Yeah. They got the Texas Rangers in on it at this a, point, I believe. I have a buddy who was a Texas Ranger. Really? Yes. I have a fifth grade, fifth grade, no, 
seventh grade science teacher who is a cousin of a Walker, Texas Ranger. Right on. Of Chuck <laughs> yeah. Norris? Yeah, it looks exactly like him, too. It's yeah, Lived right up the street from us, and he would just, like, ride his Harley down the road. And, yeah, he was my... He also made fun of my laugh, um, which is kind of cruel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he called me Machine Gun Baxter because my laugh, especially like I, I think I've, I probably have self-consciously slightly modified it, um, but it was very much like <laughs> I love it. when I really get going. My brother's the same way. You get us in the same room and it's like an echo. It's so weird. That's great. I've actually had somebody identify me who had never met me. I saw them walking down the street in the dark with my brother in a town. Uh, this is my first night there in Bellingham, Washington. And we ran into somebody he knew and they said something that made us both laugh. And they were like, wait, is this your sister? Because <laughs> we was just like listening to like two of the same, exact same laugh. So, so yeah. Um, my buddy, my buddy David, who is a Texas Ranger, I asked him, what's it like? Mm -hmm. And he said, it is hours upon hours upon hours of sheer boredom. Yeah. Punctuated by moments of mind-shattering terror. So basically... Uh, life. The ex life and yeah. the extremes of, of hurry up and wait. Yeah. 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 It's absolutely what... He said that's that's the best way he can describe being a Texas Ranger. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they brought them in. Um, and they got over 100 false leads, especially with that uh, $500 reward. You know, everybody's going to you know grab that money. Or they, they honestly think they've seen something that just didn't actually turn out to be anything yeah. you know because people were, were started they, this was the start of people getting jumpy you know really jumpy yeah and they bring in the big fucking gun they bring in texas ranger manuel gonzalez also known as lone wolf lone wolf this guy gonzalez. has a nickname this also guy... the strangest spelling of gonzalez i've ever seen not well, that i've seen that many it's the spanish Spelling is that the of Spanish Gonzalez. spelling? It's okay, not all right. The Mexican. It's the Spanish. That makes sense. Okay. Manuel Gonzalez was uh, he was born in Cadiz, Spain. Okay. All right. So yeah, and he is he was he was the real deal. There's no there's no two ways about it. This is this is the guy who would go down and he would just he would go and go and go. Until he he couldn't go anymore, and then go a little bit further. I do also have some other stories that from about him that um, sort of contradict that idea. Really? Yeah. Really. Should I break it out now? Break it out now. Break it out now. Okay. So. Um, Turns out he was a drunk that liked to sleep <laughs> while people were being murdered around him. Um, not quite. Uh, <laughs> I would say close, but not at all. No. Uh, he retired uh, from the Texas Rangers, 1951, and he decided Hollywood's where I want to be. So he goes and he starts, um, be, he's a technical consultant for radio, TV, movies. Tales of the Texas Rangers. Yep. 1950s radio and TV show. He becomes a technical consultant for that. So wanted a little bit of the, the, the limelight or a little bit of the, the that Hollywood feel. And there were people who said it, and they could have just been better because he got most of the media attention. So it could go either way. It could be truth. It could be jealousy. We don't really know. It's too late to ever know for sure. But there were people who said that he would basically take, like, walk into the police station, get all the information they had, go to the press to get attention with it, to the extent that the cops actually started to want to withhold information from him. And this story, um, this, this amuses me, that the farmhouse where we have our final murders, the cops cordoned it off. You know, nobody could go on to it. And um, so somebody, uh, a call comes through to the uh, police station that a neighbor had spotted some strange lights there. 
So uh, aliens. And I believe this is actually, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, not aliens. No, damn uh, it. It's never aliens. It's always aliens. Until it is. Um, so I believe that this is actually a reporter or an editor for the local paper, but my notes are so scattered because there was so much. There was. Um, so I apologize for any inaccuracy, but I'm just going to go ahead and read the exact quote because it's an exact quote, so I may as well. Uh, we sped to the scene and I hid behind a car while police chief Max Tackett, great name, and three other patrolmen approached the house. Chief Tackett yelled into the house that the place was surrounded and the phantom might as well give up. Well, who do you suppose walked out? None other than Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers and a woman photographer from Life and Time magazines. Lone Wolf exclaimed rather sheepishly that he had been reenacting the crime and the young lady was taking pictures of him. Police Chief Tackett turned to me and shouted at the top of his voice, Mahaffey, you can quote me as saying, uh, that horrible accent, sorry, <laughs> that the phantom murders will never be solved until Texarkana gets rid of the big city press and the Texas Rangers. Oh my God. <laughs> I hope that that wasn't as horrifying for you as it felt for me. No, it was great. <laughs> okay. I loved it. it I was... can do a sort of okay southern accent and that's about the only one unless I practice a little bit and then I can do sort of an Irish. But, uh, but yeah, so that... Uh, it seemed like he did seek out the limelight and, and sometimes to the detriment of the actual case. But we don't know for sure. Again, that's, that's be, the thing. Yeah. Everything, everything that I'm finding about, about Gonzalez is that he was he earned the name Lone Wolf. Mm -hmm. Let's kind of face it, though. He is the wrong shade for Arkansas. Yeah. 1946. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 Fuck. Yeah, it's there's there's so many different possibilities. It's, yeah. it's it's that same old story that we keep on running into where it's just like, well, you have option A, B, C, D, E. I could go on. There's a whole alphabet. You know? There is. There absolutely is. Let's let's get into uh, let's get into the third attack. This one is. I mean, they're all rough, but this this is this is this is I would say the roughest. Fifteen year old Betty Joe Booker. Yeah. And this this is the one where. I don't know how it got con so confused in the town that dreaded sundown. Yeah, right? Yeah. There's a very <laughs> famous scene where the the killer takes a knife, attaches it to a trombone. That she had been that was her trombone that mm -hmm. she'd been playing earlier that night at the prom. Because as anyone who's played a brass wind instrument knows, there's always a place to attach a knife. Well, yeah. I mean, that's 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 what they're made for. They're made for exactly. playing and stabbing. And he ties her to a tree and stabs her using the slide of the trombone. Um, that's so ridiculous. That's not the way it happened. No, 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 no. And I can't imagine that somebody didn't go up to the director and go, does this seem wrong to you? Should we maybe research this a little bit more? <laughs> Director's like, nah, no, nah, I like it. Trombone killing. Let's, nope. let's do it. Nope. I've, I've waited my whole life for this. <laughs> so... I, think, I think the director might have been the killer. <laughs> now we're on to something yeah yeah so um betty joe booker uh she was popular uh had a lot of friends everybody liked her um she played her alto saxophone in a band called the rhythm airs isn't that a great name for a 1940s band it's so freaking cute and it's, it's so retro and i just love it 15 years old 15 years old vfw yeah that was like her album. weekly gig yeah 15 years old and she had a weekly gig it's it's so cute you could cry and yeah. then you could cry some more because of what happened yeah so she's out um her friend paul martin Around 1.30 a.m., uh, he picks her up from the VFW, and I found different reports, even within the same sources. 
Uh, one that said that people were surprised and wondered why they'd been out together because they'd been friends for so long and they'd never actually been together as a couple. And one that said they'd been friends since kindergarten and then had just recently started dating. So it's it's kind of unclear. And, you know, 15-year-old, 17-year-old, they might not necessarily be divulging their relationship mm -hmm. status or just the fact that they're hanging around together and, you know, being friends might start some rumors. You know, It could go either way. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. But, yeah, they're... Um, they're out, uh, and it's around North Park Road. This is uh, two miles from Crime Scene 1 and seven miles from crime, crime Scene 2. And this is with current streets. This is not like as the crow flies or anything like that. And I'm sure there's, you know, streets and, and roads have changed, but this would be, that would be the, the distance. And even more horrifically, um, the first body, which was Martin's, Paul Martin's body, was found, uh, this was uh, April 13th, um, it was found 6.30 a.m. by uh, a Mr. and Mrs. G.H. Weaver and their son. No age given, but still, yeah. that's, that's, a family happened upon yeah. this. A family. Martin had been shot four times, once through the nose, once again through the left fourth rib from the behind, a third time in the right hand, meaning that this guy tried to defend himself. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's a defensive wound. Yeah, mm -hmm. any wound to the hand. Because mm -hmm. that's not, I'm going to go kill him. Hand me my knife, I'm going to stab him in the hand. Yeah, That'll right. do a nice slow death. He'll get gangrene. <laughs> no, no. Hand wounds are, are always defensive wounds. And finally, <sighs> Jesus Christ. There, this is the one, this is something that bothers me. The fatal wound is the back of the neck. My neck is literally tensed right now. Yeah. I'm very uncomfortable. That, that's not a headshot. <laughs> No. That's not a heart shot. That's a slow death. That's, that's, I don't want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, pretty horrific, uh, pretty horrific death for him. Um, and then, but Booker was, uh, Betty Jo was nowhere to be found for a little while. Uh, they found her two miles from where he was found. And uh, there was a, there were conflicting reports, but the, the overwhelming consensus seems to be that there was a sexual assault. Uh, and uh, she'd been shot twice uh, through the chest and then the face. And once again, we have that 32 Colt showing up, making its appearance. So, you know, we clearly have, you know, similarities between these two. And, you know, the cops are definitely starting to think, oh, shit. It's, it's starting, it went from, oh, shit, to, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> shit. So, um, and then they actually found his car. It was a 1946 Ford Club Coupe uh, about uh, three miles away from Booker's body and one and a half miles away from Martin's body. Uh, he's still in it. Which, so, the, the, it kind of seems like maybe, my, my thinking is, the killer, um, scrap, you know, kind of scrapped with Martin, killed him on the, like, wherever he found them. Uh, so Martin's body was probably where it all began. Took Betty Jo Booker off, um, and was a horrifying caricature of a human being. And then drove the car off to try and maybe pull police off the scent or make it so that, you know, a longer time passed. Because the more time passes between, you know, before you find the body, like, the more evidence you might, might disappear. You know, maybe it rains, maybe, you know, animals, whatever. And the, the, the saxophone. Oh, yeah, the saxophone. The saxophone ends up missing. Yeah. 
And they search all over for that. It's eventually discovered around six months later, October 24th, still in its black imitation leather in the underbrush near where Booker's body had been found. Yeah. I don't think it was there to begin with. Really? I don't. I think hmm. that I think that somebody took it, tried to pawn it, wasn't able to, because he knew they would be looking for it, waited until everything died down and threw it back. You're telling me the underbrush hid the saxophone? Well, you do have a case where they had a um, person that they pulled in as a suspect because he was trying to pawn an alto sax. And they even found bloody clothes in this person's uh, motel room. But he was able to pretty much explain everything. So it. it I want to hear that explanation. I, I have him listed in my suspects. I think he. I, I think I read somewhere that he said he'd been in a fight, and then that was corroborated. I'm not 100 percent sure. I don't think I copied that down. Um, Saxophone fight. But yeah. This oh, it turned out. It, it, it did turn out to be the man's own blood. Okay. So, um, I mean, that could still be from an altercation with a, you know, murder victim. Yeah, but I mean, it looks it, like both of them put up a fight. Yeah, it would. There would almost definitely be some of uh, some of Martin's blood on him yeah. too, and also, you know, Betty Joe's. So, so yeah. Um, that that all didn't pan out, and they were getting lead after lead and chasing it down and chasing it down. You know, like we said, you had people accusing you know, everybody else in town of it. And, and you had this, basically this, this firestorm of rumor and terror and fear. And then we get to May 3rd and we have tons of cops pouring in from, yeah. from all different jurisdictions, from, from Arkansas and from t- other parts of Texas. You've got the Texas Rangers. You've got like, this town is overflowing with cops. I believe I, there were 47. I, 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 I can't imagine that many cops in that small of a town. Yeah, it's not a big town. Yeah, It is absolutely not. And it you is. have the equivalent of like a, a big city, or at least medium-sized city police force. I'd say big city, actually. Um, 47-ish cops working on one case. Honestly, I think that's too many, I, I, too many cooks in the kitchen. <sighs> it, it all depends on your role. Yeah, that's true. It all depends on your role. And if, if you, you have, have somebody properly managing right. them. If, if I was managing, and I have no experience with police management whatsoever, but if I was doing it, one person at the top, then you have about five detectives, mm-hmm. you know, sussing things out, and then you have patrolmen. Yeah. Just orbiting around, making sure that, you know, just... See, if you see anything, you know, shoot first, ask what, maybe that's not a good thing. See, this is why I'm not a police investigator. My whole shoot first, ask questions later. And it turned out Scott was the killer. All along. <laughs> and you had them doing some interesting things um, to try to get, uh, try, try to lure the, the attacker, the killer out. I'm not going to call him the attacker anymore because he's no longer an attacker. He's right, a killer. Right. Try to lure the killer out. Um, I don't know how true it is, but the the great scene in the town that dreaded sundown of the cops. They say that it's it was basically that it was yeah. it was both um, actually they have the, the scene where you have the cops uh, who volunteered to act as decoys, and some of them didn't realize that meant you know that you're going to have a guy and a girl in the car, and oh by the way you're going to have to be the girl. Mm-hmm. And you know 1940s Texas, I'm sure that was. Um, great for them. <laughs> well, it's not only the cops that are getting into this now. 
Teenagers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, teenagers oh, going like, story. I'm going to kill myself a killer. So you've got an officer. He's patrolling a lover's lane type road. Um, actually, two officers. Uh, one's, I think, a Texarkana officer, and the other one is from Arkansas State Police. They find a parked car. So, of course, um, you know, one of them, Johnson, he gets out of the car. The other one, Boyd, stays behind. Johnson goes up to the car, and he sees that there's a couple inside. So he announces himself, tells him who he is, and says, you know, aren't you scared to be parked out here at night? I'm going to try my Texas accent again. Let's do this. Here, here come. girl replied... <laughs> After spitting out a big jaw <laughs> stub. Yeah. You're the... No, no, that was bad. You're the... Nope, I'm not going to do it. Can no, I try it's, it? It's, yeah, absolutely. You're the one that ought to be scared. No, um... Oh, shit, I got the wrong thing, <laughs> mister... It's a good thing you told me who you are. As she revealed, she'd been pointing a twenty-five ACP pistol at him the entire time. Yeah. That's my team to Texas voice. <laughs> Yeehaw! I think mine might actually have been better. I think it was. <laughs> Give it a try. <laughs> You're the one that ought to be scared. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It just felt silly. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that didn't mean it was. No, no. Oh, it is a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It is a little bit, but yours is less silly than mine. I don't. Yours is definitely better than mine. <laughs> I wasn't trying to do a girl voice. I, this is true. This is true. It's like, listen to this voice. Now this is my girl voice. <laughs> and then this is my my ex-wife. That's good. <laughs> I'm going to go to Pittsburgh because there's a free washing machine there. Oh, my God. <laughs> She didn't sound like that. <laughs> Yesterday was her birthday. Oh, my. Yeah. Was, oh. Nothing happened. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Yes. So, um, you have... This is where we sort of... Not even sort of. We completely diverge from the pattern and everything. Um, and I just really feel like some grasping at straws happened after this. That's my personal thought, but I guess I shouldn't, you know... Prejudice everybody against exactly what happened. May 3rd, you had uh, Katie Starks and her husband Virgil. Um, he was a farmer and a welder. And they're just, you know, they're at home in the evening. This isn't even the same county. This is, I believe, if I, I feel like I mapped it and then I forgot to write it down. I feel like it's about 17 miles away. It's it's 10 miles. 10 miles away. Okay, thank you. I'm 10 only miles off, northeast. Only off of, by 7. That's okay. Well, if you would have hit the kilometers, you would have been dead on. That's probably where I got the 17. Yeah, I probably, it was probably the kilometers. There yeah. it is. There it is. So, yeah. Yeah, so uh, 10 miles, uh, 17 kilometers. Hi, Canadians. Um, eh. And... <laughs> So they're they're at home for the evening. She thinks she hears something. She's like, "Hey, you know, Virgil. You know, he's in the living room. She's in the bedroom. They're listening to their favorite radio show. Yeah, yeah. He's just, got just, a sore back because he's a hardworking man. He's, he's got, got a heating, heating pad. pad. Yeah, you know? yeah. And she's like, "Hey, I heard something. Can you turn the the radio down?" And then uh, gunshots through the living room window, and they got Virgil right in the right in the back of the head. Now, there's an interesting clue here. There's an interesting clue. And this, I have no idea who this murderer actually was. But I've always thought that he was a World War II vet hmm. that really enjoyed his action. Okay. She heard the glass shatter, mm -hmm. but she did not hear, she didn't hear the gunshot. Yeah. 
That shot was taken from a distance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is somebody who knows how to use the weapon. Mm -hmm. This is somebody who plans stuff out. And this is, I'm, I'm convinced this is somebody, what I've always pictured is this is somebody who came back from the war, was not able to reintegrate into society, needed money, decided he was going to rob somebody, beat the hell out of them, mm -hmm. decided he liked it, escalated it. Yeah. And this is just more proof for me. That window shattering and she doesn't even hear the gunshot. Yeah. That 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 sounds pretty plausible that that he, the the killer was far away. And it's a 22 caliber. I mean, not that the killer couldn't have had multiple guns, but it's just he just did seem to have a liking for the 32 in yeah. the, in, the, in the others, at least the other two killings. It's not on Lepers Lane. You know, there's there's so many things that are different. It's not even in the same county. Like maybe he was trying something new, see if he liked it. Maybe he was just like basically like cop blocked by all the the, the cops like patrolling getting, Lepers Lanes. He's getting desperate. He's getting desperate. This is a sexual thrill for him. But if if it's that, if it, if it's just that, if it has nothing to do with the place, if, then he can just go somewhere else and do the exact same thing. Probably there's every chance that the lovers' lanes ten miles away weren't you know weren't as you know crowded with cops as the ones around Texarkana. Whenever whenever the uh, uh, I think his name was Malvo. The the DC sniper was going. Oh on. yes 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 yeah. Lee Malvo I think Lee yeah. uh, Lee Boyd Malvo. Oh god, that was horrifying. Yeah, so I'm in Hagerstown one day, Hagerstown, oh, Maryland, right? Mm -hmm. Which is about probably 120 miles from DC. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna say I don't got the map up. I'm not gonna look it up, but it's a distance. Mm -hmm. It's a distance. I go down there because I'm a drummer. There's, in Hagerstown, I don't know if it's still there, but there used to be this place called Drums on Sale. It was just like a little closet. And I you, love the name. It, well, that's <laughs> it's, it, exactly it's what it was. very on point. Yeah. So I go down there, and it, it's a thing where I want these hanger boom stands, which uh, you have a regular boom stand, which is just a, a regular cymbal stand is just straight up and down. A boom stand has an arm that kind of comes off of it. Think of, like, put your elbow... Put your hand up in the air like you're asking a question, and then put your elbow at a 45-degree angle. That's, I, I, that's a, I think yeah. I've seen, yeah. And then what I want are these hanger booms, mm -hmm. which is essentially another elbow up top. So now instead of the symbol being perched on top, it can hang from the yeah, bottom. Yeah, right? okay, So I want right. these two hanger booms. So I go down there. I pick up these two hanger booms. They're usually $220. I get them on drums on sale for 80 bucks. I go to fill up my car. And there's a woman gassing up her car that's crouched down in the fetal position yep. behind her car. 10 miles, 1946, it's still not enough. People are still scared. I think he has to change his, uh, he has to change his victims. So instead of, instead of going for, for the lovers, and who knows, he may have had a close call. Mm -hmm. He may have went out there, found found like a teenager, and was gonna kill them. And he, all we know is that he wore the sack one time. Yeah, we don't have any other reports of like because like everybody else who saw him um, either died or in in the case of uh, of Katie Stark was unable right. to see him from all the blood pouring down right. her face. Oh and my gosh, poor woman. What's the point of wearing a disguise if you know you're going to kill the people? Fear of failure. <laughs> I don't think I don't think he thinks he's gonna fail. 
Okay. So I still don't believe it's him. I still don't believe that 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 fourth murder. It so deviates from the pattern. I mean, there's a part of me that's like maybe he's trying something new, or maybe he's scared and or desperate enough to try something else. But it just feels so off. And you just you you do have these these so many cases of serial killers. They do tend to have patterns. They tend to have a, it almost it's almost ritualistic in some sense. And not that every serial kisser, killer has to serial kisser. Okay. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think you have to have like how many victims to be a serial killer. So uh, I don't know. I just you know <laughs> I feel fine after killing just one person, but some people have to keep going and going. You mean kissing? <laughs> yeah, sure, that too. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I just we can meet and we can completely disagree on this, and that's fine I, because now yeah. we're never gonna know. Exactly. Almost certainly never gonna know until but... we get the laser cannon in the time machine. Exactly, and, yeah. and on that day, which tomorrow support the patreon everybody <laughs> we'll get that laser cannon we'll get that time machine we will find this shit out yes. for you that's what we're here for the killer is this small pile of ash <laughs> <laughs> so yeah pretty um whatever whoever did it whether it was the same killer or not um he did he, he got virgil uh killed virgil uh from outside the house Katie tried to call police, um, but while she was trying to, the killer shot her twice in the face. Once through the right cheek, and then that went out through her left ear. Yeah. And then the other was in her lower jaw, just below the lip. Jesus. And it broke her lip and splintered uh, several teeth before lodging under her tongue. And I don't care if you can tell what I'm saying, because I'm clenching my teeth because this is horrifying, and I'm going to clench my teeth for the rest of my life now. So, essentially... She shot in the ear, and she shot in the mouth. Oh, God. And we're not talking... Here's the thing. I here's can the barely thing. go to the dentist. Yeah. Here's the thing with a twenty-two. A twenty-two. a lot of people go, oh, it's not a powerful weapon. A twenty-two is plenty powerful, plus that lower velocity tends to make the bullet bounce around inside Oh, more. shit, Scott. Why do you do these things? Why do you say the truth? <laughs> I'm sorry. And it's it's not an in-and-out situation a lot of times. So, yeah, the damage... Full body cringe. That's what I got going on here. If like, you know if you cringe. know what you're doing, you can do a lot of damage well, with a 22. <laughs> if you know what you're doing. <laughs> so... She actually did try to go and grab her own gun, uh, which was in the living room. Of course she did, because this woman is a tough bitch. And this is Texas. Yeah, she's tough for Texas. <laughs> I do have to say, when we were watching the movie last night, um, the, the the scene where the, the deputy sheriff, he, he's out in the, the field, sort of, in the, in the rain, and it's supposed to be night, but it's obviously day, and he's, he calls in, and he's like, oh, I heard gunshots, and I'm like, turned to Jackson, and I was like, it's Texas? <laughs> Isn't that pretty much 24-7? Yeah. Don't they, like, mark the hour instead of, like, church bells? They have, yeah. like, a, you know, like, at, at 1 o'clock, it's one shot. At 2 o'clock, it's two shots. Sorry, Texans. Goodbye, you, all of our Texas listeners. You brought this upon yourself. You sort of cultivate a thing. This is what <laughs> happens whenever you electrocute a special needs person. <laughs> oh, it was already depressing enough, Scott. You didn't know that? No, I knew that. Yeah. I tried to forget it. Remember, my little sister's down center. I know, I know. <laughs> it, oh, God. Yeah. Cut that part out. It's depressing enough. <laughs> okay. Oh. Editing. Editing it out. <laughs> Wink. Oh. <laughs> if I had time, I would edit. So, yeah, she she goes and gets a pistol. 
Because don't mess with Texas. There we go. We mm. brought them back. Yeah. We told them their catchphrase. She's trying to get her pistol, but she's blinded by her own blood. Yeah, which is why she never gets a good look at him, even though he does make it into the house. He, uh, he comes in through the kitchen window after a couple of different, uh, different tries yeah. at different entry points. Yeah, and this woman, she's, she's hearing him. Her face is ripped apart. Yeah. She's hearing him try to get through the door. And she decides, I don't think I can find my pistol. I'll leave a note. Yeah. 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 I'll leave a note. Um. Yeah, she she, yeah. she goes to the... She, she actually did go towards her bedroom, which was close to the front of the house, to leave a note. Um, so she does manage to escape him. But like we said, she, she never saw his face. And... You know, you've got blood pouring down your face, and it, also you're probably kind of in a state of shock and terror and everything, and I'm, she's just fleeing. I'm imagining shock. I cannot remember who the killer was. This was a more modern modern thing. He, uh, It was a son. He shot his mom in the face. She mm. survived. He shot his father. Blew his father's face off. Oh. Everything down below. Christ. His father gets up, <gasps> makes breakfast, oh, reads the paper. What? What? Yeah, and then dies. Um, what? Let me look this up. <clears throat> so the case, uh, the case, is uh, it takes place November fifteenth, two thousand four. Uh, Joan and Peter Porco. Uh, they had been seemingly murdered. Joan survived. She lost her left eye, a portion of her skull. Um, they, uh, a fireman's axe was used to attack the couple. Jesus. After, uh, it turned out to be their son, Peter. Afterwards, uh, the father went about his regular morning routine unaware he was dying. <gasps> he walked in the kitchen, packed a lunch, signed a check to cover his son's parking tickets. Jesus. And attempted to unload the dishwasher before collapsing on the floor. Shock is unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable what the human body will do to protect itself from that knowledge and from that pain. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. I've never actually been... I've probably been in shock at one or two points in my life, but didn't really... It, maybe it was not, like, full, hardcore, you know, shock-like, but I've definitely been in, in like, an altered state after, uh, you know, like, like bad incidents. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how your brain is just like, nope, we're shutting yeah. down now. We're just going to go into routine mode. And everything is fine. Whenever I cut the tip of my finger off, oh. I went into shock. Jesus, this is a really rough episode for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm okay. I'm all right. right. I'm all it's right. It's okay. Come on back to us. <laughs> We're here. Um. So, yeah, she does... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just read this. She hears him coming in through the kitchen... So she runs through the dining room, through the bedroom, down a hallway, through another bedroom, and then into the living room and out the front door. And when the police later uh, came to the scene, they found a, quote, virtual river of blood and teeth through the house. And she runs across the street uh, because her sister lived across the street, I believe. Well, I saw that in one place, but it may be wrong. Um... Yes, no, no, no. She, her sister and brother law lived across the street, and they find they, more teeth and pieces of teeth in the street. I mean, it's it's my teeth are going to be clenched for the next week and a half just, or lifetime. They're just falling. It's out. that's fucking horrifying. 
We love you, bud. So, back. okay, so here is Katie Stark being just a fucking badass. Yeah. All right, this woman, she, her, half of her face is blown off, and she is barefoot. She's in her nightgown. She's covered in blood. She can't even see. She goes to her sister and brother-in-law's house. Nobody's fucking home. So she's like, fine, 50 yards more to uh, A.V. Prater's house. Uh, he, this, and this is, this, this, honestly, it gets as, as fun as you can get in a horrifying, awful, horrifying, awful, awful, awful story like this. Um, so Prater answers the door. She just manages to get out the words, probably pretty garbled. Virgil's dead. Passes out, faints, collapses. It's not, it's not certain whether she lost consciousness or, or consciousness or not, but then Prater proceeds to, he's like, well, I'm going to need some help with this. How do we call for help in Texas? Get that rifle. Mm-hmm. Shoot it in the air. Three times. And then I have in my notes, warning beacons. Gondor calls for aid. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I needed some fucking levity. Oh, my God. Oh, because there's not much. Do you want to talk about the... You talk about it. The, well, the tooth. Here's the thing. She's... She be more horrifying just collapses. I talked about it. Sorry, guys. Yeah, she just collapses. She's showing no signs of shock. Um, she's can, lost a considerable amount of blood, but her heart rate, even at the hospital, whenever they went and checked her heart rate, it's normal. Yeah, that's so crazy. Yeah. As she's being driven to the hospital, a pang of guilt must have hit her. She goes, I'm re-, she kind of like in the back of her head, she doesn't say this out loud. I don't know what the exact words she used were. But she decides it'd be nice if these people got paid for this. So she reaches into the wound that used to be her face, pulls out her gold tooth, and offers it as payment for taking her to the hospital. Now, I will say, sometimes these instincts just kick in. And especially as, as, as a woman, we are taught to be nice. We are raised to be nice. You always, you know, when somebody helps you, you make sure they're, they're, you know, thanked and compensate, compensated when you do somebody wrong. You apologize profusely. I had an incident. Here's, here's some more horror for us. Um, this is a really uncomfortable episode. Yeah. I started to... I got uh, both heebies and jeebies. Yes, yes. The heebies, the jeebies, the cringes, the yucks, the icks. You can actually see my skin crawl. It's like little <laughs> waves. It's awesome. So I've had to have a lot of um, procedures involving, uh, let's just say, uh, cameras uh, <laughs> in my life, and I started to wake up during them. And when this was, they, they've started to use propofol more, and that's yes, the Michael Jackson drug, and yes, almost every doctor I've talked to has called it that. By and the and way, that I, I don't wake up during, or wake up or remember. I got really super corrected by a snotty. Um, physician's assistant so do you think i don't michael, care which it is i just don't want to know do you think michael jackson looks the way he looks in thriller right now jesus christ it gets worse and worse <laughs> anyhow so um i um i was having an endoscopy and uh that was the first time i woke up during a procedure and i actually um tried to i, I i'm pretty sure i succeeded in rip the tube from my throat and oh. um, afterwards, that that's whatever it was they gave me. You know, you, you'd go through a period where you'd be groggy, and then later on, that like it would affect your emotions, or at least it would affect mine. I would get very um, unstable emotionally. So um, there was one point where like they're leading me out of, of the hospital. I'm, I'm being discharged, and I'm like saying to the nurse, "I'm like, 
can you find the doctor? I just want to say I'm sorry. And she's like, what? What's, what's the matter? He's left for the day. I was like, can you just tell him I'm really sorry I ripped the tube out? I'm just so sorry. I'm just so I'm just like a fucking wreck. Oh, oh, I hated that horrible, horrible stuff. It just completely, my, any emotional regulation I had was out the damn window. Um, so yeah, like, I'm glad that they use the better stuff now because I'm not waking up anymore. And Because yes, I have woken up during a colonoscopy and we're just going to move on. Um, they told me to stop screaming. So um, No, more meds. She screamed. Right? <laughs> So yeah, um, now that I've told everybody that fun time, so yeah, I think that, that sometimes those instincts just kick in and it's, it's almost, um, it's almost a comfort because you don't know what else to do. So you rely on, and you know, in her case, maybe a, a little very twisted bit of Southern hospitality. Do you take the tooth? Like, does Southern hospitality insist that you take the tooth I think it pretty payment? much insists. She's going to, she's going to make sure it, it, she's going to. It's, it's like when they offer you food. Yeah, just sit When it in a the southern cup woman holder. offers you food, you can say no as many times as you want. Eventually, you will be eating that food. All right? And I have relatives in the South. And I have uh, my, my grandfather, his, his last caretaker, was a wonderful woman. And she was one of those women who you're going to eat the food. And you'll, she'll do it in the nicest way. But you're, that food's going to go into your damn stomach. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you're going to take the tooth. You're going <laughs> to take the tooth. The whole tooth. And nothing shoot me. Shoot me <laughs> oh, in God. the head. So, um, they uh, they were really shocked that she didn't bleed to death. They found uh, just two bullet holes in the window. And so the sheriff assumed that uh, pretty much um, an automatic rifle. And uh, interestingly, the, the chair Starks was in, it, it accounts differ as to whether he had fallen out of the chair or were still in it. Uh, it accounts from police, different police officers, but one way or the other, the heating pad had actually actually caught fire. So um, watch those heating pads. Granted, this was 1946. I'm sure they've improved, but they still have the warning label. It says not to sleep with them. Don't so. get shot in the head. Also while that. While using our product. Also Yes. Well, I once saw, like, I think it was an episode of Law and Order, one of the iterations of it, where uh, a fire happened and a death happened because um, a cat had walked across, therefore getting its claws into, and urinated on a heating pad, and that caused the heating pad to... So ever since my cats are not allowed near my heating pads, ever, like, they're always, like, put away. No cats, no. I'm just going to use a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> So, um... I mean, it's it's Arkansas. It can't get that cold down there. Well, it's also... It actually, this is Texarkana, Texas. Oh. <laughs> but it's right there. Yeah. It's right there. Yeah. And there's another Texarkana. And they're, they're friends, except for when it comes to football. So, so yeah. <laughs> except um, for when it comes to football. Except for when it comes to football. I'm pretty sure it's Texas. I'm not like... I'm, I, I did, did this in Google Maps like a million times, and I'm pretty sure it was always Texas. You know me. The only sport I care about is women's roller derby. Oh, That's yes. It. <laughs> That's it. So, I have an interesting little tidbit here. Um, two of these troopers, we've already mentioned Max Tackett before. Charlie Boyd was also involved in the, uh, you know, I'm glad you told me who you were. That was even worse. That was way worse. Uh, I don't care. Um, this, I'm just getting through this. It's basically my, my, my job right now. So, uh, he, they were driving and patrolling, but they were off trying to, you know, they were on their way to the police station to drop off their expense reports because apparently it was you know expense report time um and but the area they were in was close to the farmhouse but it was a pretty well known that this was a place where you know you got some moonshine this is where you you know do the exchange basically mm -hmm. 
and uh, they saw uh, an old parked car, which older model cars have popped up around the crime scene in a couple different um, descriptions. And they didn't stop. And they always, always wish that they had. Because, you know, that could have been a key, it could have been a clue, it could have been, you know, caught the killer, who knows. Or it could have been nothing. Once again, you know, shades of the Zodiac killer. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Zodiac killer actually spoke to one of the policemen. He brags about it in the note. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that policeman, I'm sure every policeman who spoke to somebody that night is going like, Racking their brains, going, <laughs> did I? Yeah, was it me? Yeah. So, um, you had uh, everybody coming up with theories, everybody coming up with thoughts. Well, uh, there, there are even cases around there mm-hmm. that kind of maybe, maybe that this is a one. Uh, on Tuesday, June 1st, 1948. Virginia Carpenter straight up disappeared, and it's thought that she may have been one of the victims of the of the Moonlight Murderer. Um, she knew three of the victims. Oh wow! So yeah, I didn't. I did see a disappearance. I don't think I have it in my notes, but on on Thursday morning, Sheriff Davis was notified that a flashlight had been found at the Stark murder scene containing no footprints whatsoever. They actually ran an ad in the local paper going, do you know who owns this flashlight? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was... Here's here's the description. Here's the actual words. Have you seen this two-cell flashlight? This is a picture in detail of the flashlight found at the scene of the Starks murder. This is a two-cell, all-metal flashlight, both ends of which are painted red. Three rivets hold the head of the flashlight to the body of the light. There's only been a limited number of these lights sold in this area. If you have owned or know of anyone who owned one of these lights, report at once to Sheriff W.E. Davis, Miller County Courthouse, Texarkana, Arkansas. You may be the one to aid in the solving of the phantom slayings. Um, and honestly, this is where the town goes into full-blown panic they lose their shit. They absolutely lose their shit. The economy suffers. And you'll learn all about that next week in part two. Our first two-parter. Very first. Yeah, of the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. If you have the chance, now that you've got this, go out and see the wonderfully funny movie. It's a comedy. <laughs> It doesn't mean to be a comedy, but it is. It's supposed to be a horror. It has moments of horror, yes. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Yes. It is is a fantastic film. It is the second most famous film to come out of Texarkana. (laughs) The first of which... What a distinction. Yeah. (laughs) The first of which, one of my favorite films, The Legend of Boggy Creek, (laughs) also directed by the same guy, Charles Pierce, who directed The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Um... So much so that it is on my bucket list to visit Falk, Arkansas. You mean fuck? Fuck. <laughs> fuck, Arkansas. Stop and at no fuck first. Like, make a little detour down to no fuck and then go to fuck. Fuck. Well, yeah, because you don't want to go no to fuck, fuck to and fuck. then no fuck. Exactly. That's a letdown. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. The great thing is, like, they don't call they don't call it, like, the Boggy Creek Beast or anything like mm-hmm. that or any... No, they call it the fuck monster. <laughs> <sighs> We're verging on machine gun territory. There. 
So. Oh, the fuck monster. The fuck monster. Oh, Lord. My heavens. This. I feel a little dirty that we're doing this as a two-parter. I know. I hate it, but there's so much there more. Is. We're going to. We're, we're not doing it justice. We have to get into like the horror of it and everything and the and we're, certain suspects and and I wouldn't theories. be surprised to see this go three parts. It's entirely possible. Honestly. I'd like to try and avoid it, but it's yeah. entirely possible. Because yeah. we haven't got into the effects how it's hit the town. Yeah. We haven't got into the major players of the investigation. We haven't gotten into the suspects, the prime suspects, one of which is hilariously nicknamed Duty. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we could try an episode where we don't go into tangents. <laughs> nah. I think the tangents are important. I think the tangents, honestly, and if you hate the tangents, I'm very sorry. But I think the tangents are important because whenever we're doing the tangents, it's usually something, here's how we relate to this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's illustrative. It relates it to um, either compare and contrast with modern day or just relates it to our own experiences and, you know, just, I mean, I guess if you're listening to us, I guess you must like them. I guess so. <laughs> or guess hate so. yourself. <laughs> and if so, that's your business. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so get out there. Like us on Facebook. Yeah, find us on Twitter. We're Old Timey Crimey. Got a question for us? Hey, email us, oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com. That is correct. Uh, and go to iTunes. Give us that five-star rating and give us a little review. Tell us in the review... Who your favorite old-time murderer is. Old-time... Well, or it doesn't even have to be a murderer. It could just be an old-time crime. A good bank heist, you yeah. know? Anything like that. Uh, you know, stick them up. I, um, think, I think we need a good bank heist. We do need we, a good bank heist. We're going to have one. I'm, sure, I'm absolutely sure. I don't have we, it pinned down yet, but we're going to have one. We have to have that after we do this. After we do this, I we have to have something that's not depressing. Oh, sick of murder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're what? How many episodes in? <laughs> Six episodes and just everybody's dying I know, and disappearing. Right? And, and, well, there's a reason that, that, that I named it old-timey crimey instead of old-timey murdery. This is true. This <laughs> so is that we true. have that option. Crime rhymes with time. That, no, that had nothing to do with it. Absolutely not. So. So yeah, go out, give us that five-star review, tell us who your favorite crime uh, or murder is, and we might hit that up uh, at some point in time. Just get in touch with us. We would love to hear from you. And we will be back next week to hopefully, she said, with an uprising inflection indicating a question mark in her voice, be finishing the Texarkana murders. Uh <laughs> That sounded a little ominous. We're going to go finish those murders. <laughs> oh, God. This guy, he didn't get the job done. We're going to go down and finish it. You always make me clarify everything. We're going to finish <laughs> talking about the Texarkana murders. Texarkana murderers. I said it both ways. That way I please mm -hmm. everybody. <laughs> there we go. Thank you for listening. I'm Scott. I'm Christy. Have a good week. See ya. a two-parter i think we should i think we kind of have to there's so yeah. i'm only on page three i've got so much more shit to yeah, get through same here you've got the panic in the town you and all the different yeah. stories from that you've got the different um suspects and such we're in an hour